0: I well, we no idea okay. about Can we start? Can we start No. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start? Nope. Any any prayer request
1: Just a prayer. <laughs> thanksgiving. Oh, good. Four for everything. Oh, good. Good for you. Good for you. Thank you. for the party. got We got cushy seats, Those are
0: nice. That's <laughs> something to mourn. God, we should we're supposed to be looking forward to the next life. I know. Well, I don't know. Sick
2: I don't either. It's
0: good to have such good company, yeah. Are you Are
2: you Thank you. Thank you.
3: Well, Somebody asked me once what's gonna happen when you die? And I'm just yeah. gonna walk and
0: say what I get. It's really, not, really, it's exactly,
4: exactly. exactly. There's nothing you can do about it that is. Exactly, exactly what I deserve. Exactly. <laughs> That's what's gonna
2: happen <laughs> when I die. Okay, <laughs> all the
4: negative stuff no out. Request. Out. prayer <laughs> request. We have one We you two. We have one for
0: a guy named Walter. Wahlberg. Walter Walter Walter, oh, Walter sorry Walter. the guy that things are wrong with him
1: Can we do you say what's going
0: cancer. on Start a little quick Answer Answer Cancer, answer. cancer. cancer. Oh, that's why it's a big C How old he is was.
4: he? I don't know about my age no. go. Oh
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> Say thank you David I got to go Walter Okay, Anybody Walter, else? We got
4: Amelia. Amelia. What's... She me? called me
0: about okay, having out She gets money. panic attacks where
1: she gets chest pains and she gets... I don't
2: know. I'm trying to help her with it and... I, but she she seen have, a, she's seen a doctor yet? She's seen
1: a cardiologist and there's nothing... Wrong, really guy's, wrong. wrong
2: doctor. What? I had panic attacks years ago and you, it isn't a cardiologist. You have to go see a psychiatrist and there's medications they can give you to stop them on a dime.
1: Well,
0: hmm. he has like chest pain. Don't uh, have I, I was on a treadmill
2: chicken. and I'm feeling chest pains and he's looking at the EKG saying there's nothing there. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, don't, you've got to go see a different doctor. Huh. Yeah. Promise, yeah. promise. <clears throat> a a I, never <laughs> well, anyway, I was, was going to say, tensions are, like he are he usually... <laughs>
0: You say Spiritual, psychological. Couch, yeah. but you do you have? Keep. Do you have it? Let's start. Let's start. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of our life from you, um, the gift of yourself in the Mass this morning, your life um, itself that we carry within us. Um, With you in us, we are part of your kingdom now. Hard to see because (laughs) our eyes tell us we're here in this room, um, but we know when we take you, we're in a strange place. um, Where we can't say, um, but um, we know that it it isn't fully explained by anything that's going on here, so we are grateful that. Strengthen us in our trust in you through anxieties. Um, to make a place for mysteries in our life. We so often want to control everything, particularly in our world. Um, In lots of ways, we're alone in that. It's our faith. Um, We should be more at home in it, Um, particularly because the world isn't. It makes us know that is our faith. That's why we have it. Strengthen us in our faith, please. Help us to trust, to quiet our hearts, particularly with our concerns want to offer um, a general thanksgiving for all of our blessings. But <laughs> we so often are ready to be aware of wrong things. Um, one of the things we've been learning is, um, God, it's hard. We know in our faith that no matter what's going on, however hard it is, however much suffering it entails, you're on it. Um, the only reason it doesn't get taken care of now is because you you want us to know the burdens, the weights of our choices, to take greater care with our choices, what we do. And you also protect our free will. You just can't come in. Um, it's amazing to me, certainly, that um, you manage to to bring so much good out of the difficulties around us if we will just hold on. Um, so strengthen us to hold on um, in faith, in trust, not just mechanically, in our heads, genuinely. It's a trust. Knowing that um, it gives us different eyes, it changes our hearts. Um, Do that for all of us, please. Strengthen um, that trust in all of us. We offer a thanksgiving for everything that's going on, even the burdens. Um, Offer a prayer for... Chester, sorry. Walt. Walter... um, Um, in his cancer, be with him. Um, um, He's got to feel it, he's got it, lots of people don't. Um, Help him to find some comfort in you, to to trust in you, that ordeals should take us there, they don't always. Help him to find a trust in you, to find some consolation. Um, Help his friends to help him, um, his loved ones, and be with them um, while he goes through this ordeal. And also for... Amelia. Amelia. Um, sorry, <coughs> young, old, I her age. Turn 21
1: next month. Oh,
0: young. This young woman, Amelia, um, not to be frightened of in this world. When you're first step leaving high school and beginning to go out on your own, not to be frightened of. Quiet her heart. Let something come to her to know that you're there. Um, to learn to trust so that she's not overcoming, overcome with these worries and whatever she's dealing with. Then um, I ask a special um, grace for all of us here in our Lenten season, to take strength in um, the Lenten commitments we've made, to learn to put our appetites, particularly our appetites, away, to, to say no, always knowing if we fail not to despair, to keep, to keep trying, because little things finally make a difference. Whatever it is, pride, envy, wrath, whatever it is, um, strengthen us, um, <laughs> teach us to be more patient. Because the more upset we get, the more proof it is that our pride is in the way. We want it done now, that's our will. We wouldn't be here if we weren't so proud. Um, We would be more moderate or be less given to what we do. So help us to be patient with our sins, to to never, never despair, no matter how bad they are, knowing that you're always there. Um, Help us to bring that to everything you do. Um, We are grateful for this time tonight, particularly coming out of the movie, for Beth and... Sorry? Beth. Sorry? Beth. Beth, yeah? Um, For Bev and Sue, both of them, um, watch over them in their recovery. Um, We offer thanks for the success of their operations. Um, They've been at this a long time now. We've been together. So let them feel the weight of our class over these years to to trust more, to be quiet in their hearts. We offer all of these prayers in your name, Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, I I want to take a few minutes on the class last night. I don't want to take very much time, but it speaks so much to what we're doing that I'd like to take a few minutes with it. Before we do, oh, before we do... (laughs) Have you all met the academic dean? (laughs) You know that she never comes up without whispering something in my... Will you get on? Will you do... (laughs) I left school, I thought I left school 20 years ago, I actually haven't, but, Um I have, a con- <laughs> I have a confession to make, it, and I don't know what, um, just to let you know, this is personal, but sometimes we get personal. I often leave class asking Suzanne, what did they get out of it, what, what do you think, what, what does this mean to them? Because I'm a little bit surprised to keep seeing you, <laughs> I, I actually am, I mean I think I, you don't know how much I admire you for sticking on, you know, sticking this out. And I just wonder what it means to you because I used to do this. I mean, I haven't done it for a long time, but a couple of years ago, you know, I I came back I, 15 years ago and I stepped away from it, 10 years ago whenever, whenever it was. I thought I wouldn't go, I'd be sure to be back in the classroom in two years. That, that book, I'm just finishing that book now, so it's, and I can't see myself going back to the classroom. So I've been away from it for a while, but it's been a pleasure for me to do this with you, I think you know that. But every, t- every once in a while I wonder, wh- what do you get out of it? What does it mean to you? What, you, you know, what is this? Because you're here. There are times, I'm saying this truthfully now, I want you to know this, there are times when I look at this stuff and think to myself, you, you guys, particularly if you've been a Catholic all your life, I, mean, I know Mary has, um, she's got years on me, um, I think, you guys know this stuff better than I do. know it far better than I do. You've lived it far longer. I'm so aware as we get older of failings. I mean, you know, I'm always glad for Lent because it's, I always have the impression that we're going, we're going, I truly, this is not, this is real. I'm not saying this, just say it. My image of us during Lent is that we're all going up this mountain together, bearing these sins. So it's it's a special time for me. But I sometimes think, um, you guys know this better than I do. Far better. Some of you have lived this you know, so much longer than I am, um, and I suspect that you um, that you do, and you probably just deny it, think you don't. Um, I'm not sure that that's true. I mean, I re- you know how committed I am to teaching that I believe it's really important. I, I believe so much in education that I, it, I grieve a lot because of what I see going on in education. It, it, it so upsets me. Um, I, I wish younger people were getting the stuff that we're you know doing in this classroom because of what I believe it could do for their lives. Um, but I believe that, that you guys probably see a lot more than you do, and at least one of the values of what we're doing is that it gets clarified you know that things that we believe in um, get cleared up a lot and it strengthens us. so anyway, I'm glad we're here. I enjoyed the movie last night. And I gather from some of the from some of the tears at least those of you who had hearts enough to <clears throat> <laughs> but I'd like to hear what any responses I don't want to take a lot of time, but I'm glad to hear any responses to the movie last night just for a few minutes because I think it relates um, so much to what we're doing. It was wonderful. yeah why David? why what do you what
2: well, you know and I and I'll own up to that. I asked him how did he get the movie you know for the first fifteen minutes but I think it, it teaches, it, I don't know if I would say teaches, but it touches you about things that happen to you in your life. And here's a guy who lost his job, he's having a hard time dealing with life, and he applies for a job that's a mistake, but he finds happiness in it. He finds um, that it touches, the things he does in that capacity touch other people now. Right. And, and that, yeah. was, that was just, you know, how yeah. many times we've we been in situations and we think we didn't touch anybody at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or that what we're doing isn't worthwhile. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yep. Yeah.
1: Well, he, he, he had especially, it's because he was um, kind of abandoned and he didn't have his mother anymore. Oh, yeah. So all that's like an undertone of everything that he was dealing with. So I think it kind of propelled him into this doing this new thing and it was it was hard because you know back you know the Japanese are very much you know they have they're homogenized type of society and there's untouchables in history mm-hmm. and he felt he, he felt gosh I was abandoned by my father my mother's dead and now my wife doesn't even want to be with me because I'm doing something that's considered untouchable so I really felt sorry him because he was dealing with a whole lot so I'm yeah. glad that she decided that it was something more I mean she accepted it mm-hmm. which to me culturally that's kind of nice because usually in the homogenized cultures they don't do that Yep. yeah Yep. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yep. 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 did I give you a copy did you get one David yeah good anybody else they talked about fate a lot fit yeah mm-hmm. yeah that yeah was- Although some people, I mean, if you translate the terms, very often you hear Christians say God did that or God had this plan or things are working out. You know, that they'll acknowledge that something beyond us is working that we don't always see. We don't call it faith. Um,
4: but He also had people around him that supported him. I think, you know, to start with, I think he had a very gentle heart. You know, the fact that he played an instrument, I think, with feeling. I mean, anyone can play, but he really played with feeling. You felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy who mentored him did not even look at his resume. So... And the, then the under... The, the,
0: the, the, his boss? boss. Right, yeah. his boss. Saw it immediately. Saw something right. in him. Right.
4: Um, right. You know, so that, to me, also was amazing that he had... Even though he had certain people... Not wanting to support him, looking down on what he was doing, he also had these other people. So there was a balance there um, of yep. you know, helping him, supporting him.
0: I'm going I'm to go out on a limb here a little bit. I can't even remember, and I meant to look it up today. The god of the underworld, who takes the, he's the thief god. God bless it. Think, look it up. Look up the um, the Olympi- the pantheon of the um, Greek gods. Um, just a couple of things to, to, to bring it to mind and then I'd, I'd like to get on, but they, they relate so well to what we're doing, so let me take a minute with them. A couple of the things that I loved. Um, the, the wife, I thought was a really good woman, really good woman. Um, but she, and there's very little in the movie to suggest that she's selfish. But when you watch the two scenes when she learns that he's a mortician, that he's doing this. Uh, it's not even Priya. pariah. In the Japanese culture, um, there was such a stigma attached to dying the body. It's not an incarnated world. It's a world that lives very much in its pride and face-saving. That means it, it lives largely in its intellect, spiritually, and there's an implied contempt for the body. That's part of that culture. Face-saving is very much part of it. if If you're wounded, you kill yourself. I mean, you get rid of it because you've been disgraced. So there's no place for the body, for the low, let me put it differently. There's no place for the lowly things. There's a very, there's a strong sense of nobility and honor. And there's a beautiful book called The um, Sword and the Cassanthrum, Kothant- which is about that face saving in the East that's so much a part of Eastern cultures. If you think about the movie in general terms, the the one thing, the, the part of the value of a movie for me or a story is, The way a great author can unify a large number of events to pull them together under one thing so that they all relate so you see it in different ways. That's what we would call the unity of a work. When a work is too episodic and it just goes on from episode and they don't connect, you come out of it, you won't feel the concentrated kind of effect. Everything in that movie, absolutely everything in that movie had to do with face saving. He didn't tell his wife about the cello, he didn't tell his wife about the job after he confessed about the cello, and she said, why didn't you tell me? So he's, he's carrying on. What I loved about the guy is in that Japanese culture, they're not Western. He, he's, not, he's not caring. My father left me. I'm abandoned. I'm you know, there's, He's so understated. In fact, that's why the woman said to the wife, I hope you take care of him, you know, because this is what happened. He's not the kind of to talk man to talk about. Western cultures? They won't stop talking about abandonment, and you know. He's very understated, very quiet. He c- carries it all, and he has this sense of peace and calm, and, um, that's who he is. But but he's a part of a culture that is defined in terms of face saving. So the last thing he can do, particularly because he was a professional celloist, it, it after he and he spent a fortune on a cello to go home, and he, he won't tell the girl, he won't tell anybody. Because he was the successful, God, it's so Western, so successful, and now he's without a job. Humiliated, he can't, he doesn't tell anybody. Almost every scene underlines that face-saving thing. When the son and wife and daughter of the bath house woman mm-hmm. sees them later when they find out what he's doing, the man says, stay away from him. Yeah. Remember when the wife finds out, interestingly, uh, when she finds out she says quit the job get a normal job right. and he can't because he, he's learned to see and it's interesting his boss, I mean, to what he said I love, I want to come back to the boss because he's a mythic figure he knew he's had these part-time people before he gave him a full-time job <laughs> there's that some people have a sense to see more deeply than others he gave him the job full-time the wife said Leave it. And he couldn't. And remember when she got him and said, I'm leaving? If you don't, he gets up and grabs her and she says, don't touch me. Right. Do you remember her words? You're filthy.
4: Yeah.
0: It's a leprous. I mean, this is the Old Testament world where because he's a part of that culture, she, this is her husband. She did not want him to touch her. The son walked away and said, don't get near this guy. So it's really important not to... Uh, under undervalue that. This stigma attached to these low things is partly a a way of understanding the nature of that society. That it has this high sense of honor, of nobility. It doesn't make a place for the lowliness of the body. Christianity? I mean you you can't be a Catholic and not accept the lowliness of the body. And the second time when she comes back, she's, it's funny to me, I, she, to me she's a lovely woman. She comes back and says, "One of the, for me one of the most ironic lines, she says, it's really clear, you need me. Mm-hmm. She came back, she's pregnant, says you need me, and then says, get your act together. Do you, and she comes back. She says, do you want your children to grow So twice what she does is use the love that she's expressed to him to bargain him.
1: Right. Do what she wants.
0: Yeah, she. Did. I mean, remember now. Love. I mean, we're supposed to say love is unconditional. When you offer, you offer it freely. Yeah. The first time she meets, she said, "I didn't even say anything." Now do this for me. And you're no, you're using love to bargain. We're back in Milton's world with the Presbyterians and the and the and the, uh, and the uh, Presbyterians yes. and the Anglicans. Um, they're bargaining love. She is. I think she's a lovely woman, and the, so. What we're watching are, is this guy is defining a culture. He's showing that that determines what people are going to do. Just as Dante helps us to see what goes on in our culture to help us see what we're doing. And it's right then in that second meeting with his wife when she comes back and says, You need me? I mean, the irony is she obviously needs him. She's pregnant and, and hopes that he will give up this job because she's humiliated. Says, get your act together. You want your kids to, you know, she's so convinced that he'll do it. She, that that is, the blindness. She can't see differently. That's the way she sees her world. That's the way everybody in the world, that Japanese, sees things. That's the way they see. So she says, um, get your act together. And then he gets the call with the news that the bathhouse woman has died. And they go, and you, you I don't want to, Sorry, I don't want to take too much time, but um, they go to the they go to the ceremonial scene, and the son, who hated him, who hated him, looks at him in absolute humility, grateful that he's preparing the body of his mother. So he goes through that ritual, and you know the the formality of the two hands here, you know it's not one, it's not casual. Play that against the end. With the, remember when the caretaker came in yeah. to take care of his father? Yeah. Threw the blanket off, said, oh, yeah, let right. me do it, you know? Yeah. The care and reverence, the gentleness that he expressed in every, every, the, the touching of the faces. Oh, God. How could the people who were the loved ones of the deceased not have been encouraged to feel a greater love for that person by what that guy did? Because mm-hmm. that's part of it. So, what you're watching, what I believe, this is me. I believe Christianity is breaking into this world. It's making a place for the body and death and humiliation because love is becoming more important than face saving. He's preparing the body. The son and wife go through at the girl. They're weeping. The, the son looks at, what's his name? Daigo. Go? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> with profound gratitude, you know, when, when he's cast him off, because he's one of those Old Testament, you know, lechers. I mean, cast off. And then he starts to, to because the ceremony's over, he starts to go to his stuff as if he's going to pick up. And he stops and he looks at his wife. Now, this is the woman who's twice now bargained with him. I mean, you can call it manipulating with her, you know, that she's, she didn't want to do this. She looks at him, if you watch her face, you're watching her in, with these amazingly subtle expressions saying, I have to do this. You know, She puts herself away, she goes up, he puts out two hands. God, I mean, just, she, he puts out two hands, she puts out two hands. They bow to each other. An hour before, they were estranged. Or, or their relationship was defined in terms of manipulation, contract. And, and the interesting thing is she comes to that because she watches him do what he does and she watches the effect on the family. The next time we um, see it is um, with his dad. Remember, or, or the, and I think there's an interval scene or somewhere in there where he, where he tells the story. I love that story. Before, think about what we've done together. Before there was writing, before there was writing, people sent letters by stones. They picked out a stone that best expressed what they felt, because there was no other way to express it. So there's this hunger in the human person to find some means of the, the word to express oneself. If we, don't have, if we don't have words, how can we relate to each other? They sent stones, and they had that exchange of the stones, remember when he goes and he Tells her, and he looks for the right stone for her. If you remember, it's a very smooth stone, and it's small. And he tells it the story and hands it to her. And we know from the, those those intermittent scenes that the stone the father gave him was large and ragged, beat up, heavy, which I take to be an expression of the burdens that that he was carrying these large burdens. Remember when he made he gave the son the small phone the stone, and then. And um, or he gave the son gave him a small, small stone, stone, and he gave the son this large, scarred up, beaten up looking stone. And he kept the small stone. And at the end, well, they have that scene where he tells his wife that story, and she's really touched. And he finds a little rock, and gives it to her. At the end, when he's when he gets really angry at that guy, said, so, you know, get out of here. And he takes over because the guy was just. One hand taking the clo you know it's just it's a body it's a dead body God the reverence for the dead um, and the body that he brings into that culture because if you watch every one of the families that he went every one of them was touched by what he did every one of them was brought closer to an acceptance of the body and death they could let go of their beloved um, it's almost sacramental anyway you know that when he's when he's preparing his father's he's the hands are vice-like, he has to pry the finger, and then, God, there's that stone. Mm-hmm. God, i got to step away for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, it's none of them talking, no, it's, it's the gods, it's the gods.
4: <laughs> but look, at, look for
0: Herod, Zeus, Hera, Zeus, Athena. It's, yeah. not a, it, 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 um, di- it's not a yeah. Artemis. It's her brother, or no? It's the it's the thief god. Anyway, if you watch the wife's expression, she, I mean the humility in her as a woman. She's she's practically hated her husband, and he's a he's a pariah. She's looking at him with absolute joy, proud of him. Taking a pleasure, of watching him do that with the fo- to be reunited. And remember the, the guy just heard from the, the woman in the office that she had abandoned her son and he got furious at her. So everywhere everywhere around are all these all of our families, our human failings, that we take to our death. So what happens at our death matters because it's it's a moment when we can reconcile or we carry them, you know. And that ceremony helped put them away. So my reading of it is, to the question, is Christ present? I'd say absolutely everywhere, absolutely everywhere. The humility, the breaking through, this face-saving pride, the 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 power that it has to bring people together that were estranged, families, husband and wife, and the humility with which they will go on in their lives. And here's my last comment, the, the, the really one of the greatest things for me watching that movie was, their humility changes the way they see things. The world's the same, yeah, but the humility that they bring to it utterly changes the dynamics in everybody's relationship. Get past our pride and see with love. I mean, it's a trite sort of saying, you know, but that to me was what the movies about right at the center it just it would, it's shattering a culture something Christian entered that world because the way the, think about the way the world was before he entered into it picture that world divisions guilt anger you did this to my daughter you did this we didn't raise him right It was your fault um, give up the job humiliate don't touch that guy if you look at the world it's just full of condemnations and darkness at the end of the movie you're watching a This is a founding. It's like the epics that we've been... There's something entering that world that's bringing a, a spirit completely at odds with what defined it before.
2: The thing that really got me is he found peace with his father. Yep. God, that just... Yep, that was yep, gut
0: yep. Bringing. And I'm going to say one thing and then... stop. One of the other things I loved about it, too, I mentioned it last night, was... One is the sense of seasons passing. Yes. The birds, the, you know, watching the flock feed and the blossoms coming back, and then winter coming. There's this recurrence, and that means a possibility for renewal. Every spring, things die. I mean every winter. Every spring, so renewal is built into our life. In a modern Western technological world, where virtual realities replace nature, how much do we feel that? How much do we feel that a stone actually expresses something? One of the beauties of that movie, for me, is it shows that the Eastern cultures still believe that there's something divine in nature. That There's this spirit present. Um, It was there in the seasons, and I loved it in that scene where the guy's on that little knoll, you know, that raised ground, on a chair. It's as if that's where he belongs. It's like he's expressing a music that's there in nature. You know, he's there. Um, and the other last thing is the the the, the uh, gate the the gatekeeper. He's the mythic figure. I can't get that. he's one of the the, the the god of the thief god who leads the, the god, I should know this uh, who leads the souls I can he's the one who visited um, Odysseus and Circe. Help me! You, you guys know this. And in the um, at the end of the Odyssey, he's the one who leads all the suitors into the inferno. I mean, down to hell. Um, anyway, that there are these mythic figures. You know that that gatekeeper. He's the gatekeeper. Remember how impersonal he was. He just stood there, sort of stoic, as people passed and the sun went by. To to go try to ask him if he could watch when it was happening. And, He's got this very stoic presence. He's the one who always said goodbye to people. You know that he's the one who cremated them. And at the end, um, you could feel he's on the verge of tearing up. That he loved this woman. He said thank you and and was sad to let go of her. But he believed in that moment he would see her again. So he's the gatekeeper. He's an image of that gatekeeper, that mythological figure that I can't. Is it Loki? Who? Loki. No. It's one of the, it's
3: like
0: Artemis. Then
3: they've got Laverna. Well, Artemis is Helen. No. It's No. Oh,
0: don't Hermes. <laughs> Hermes.
3: Hestia, Demeter.
0: It is Hermes. Wait. It is Hermes. Hermes. It's Hermes. It is Hermes. Thanks. It is Hermes. He's called the thief god. He, he's, he's the one who accompanies Priam when Priam brings in the ransom to Achilles in the Iliad and he leads the souls. He's the gatekeeper. He watches over the. There's, that guy had a mythic dimension to him. He just. Anyway. Lovely movie. Lovely movie. It's, I'd really believe it's an image of Christ breaking into a culture that has no place for him and its effect when you watch it unfold is well, is pretty amazing, so. Okay. Um, let's start. Can you, I'm gonna, I wasn't planning to do this, but, um, but because of s- some of the things that were said here before class, ter- yeah. <laughs> no, not you. Okay. Turn to Herbert George Herbert. He's about the middle of the packet. George Herbert selections. And then I'm going to read one of because we are supposed to be reading John Dunn but after I heard those comments, I have to read this. Herbert, there we go. A good a good Anglican priest. Extraordinary poet. Extraordinary poet. Um. Where's Dunn? Is he after I should have put these in for work on? I want to do one of Herbert's, but don't we have oh is it a separate packet, Doc? Do you have it? Done is a separate packet. Can I have it? Do you have it? It's page two of the of the Herbert collection. It says death and Yesu. Which one are we doing? Yes, okay this is what we're supposed to feel facing the prospect of death not negative <laughs> as much as as much as I think most of us are terrified of it this is what we're this is from an, I, we've done a little bit of Herbert, it's been a while, but he was a Herbert, or I mean, an Anglican <laughs> priest. He was a contemporary of Dunn's. He's part of that metaphysical group of poets who, who did this amazing poetry in the 17th century, just just slightly after Shakespeare. So this is early Renaissance. It's just a little bit before, um, before Milton, okay? Um, the Reformation is well underway. Um, the the West is divided now no, pretty seriously, um, but his whole collection of poems is divided into three the porch, the the church what's the, the church and the church triumphant, it's the, the church militant, which is us on earth um, we're, we're, we're engaged in this battle with evil all of us, so he divided his fo- poems into those three sections and it begins I think the opening poem is an opening poem called The Altar, and it shows an altar. It's, the poem is shaped like an altar, and in the, in the words that form that altar, he's dedicating everything he did to Christ. So all of his poetry is Christ. Okay. Death by George Herbert. Okay. Death, thou was once an uncouth, hideous thing, nothing but bones, the sad effect of sadder groans, my mouth was open, but thou couldst not sing, for we considered thee at some six or ten years hence, after the loss of life and sense, flesh being turned to dust, and bones to sticks. We looked on this side of thee, shooting short, where we did find the shells of fledged souls left behind, dry dust, which sheds no tears, but may exhort extort. But since our Savior's death did put some blood into thy face, remember this is an apostrophe, it means an address, he's addressing addressing death, as if death is this person. But since our Savior's death did put some blood into thy face, thou art grown fair and full of grace, much in request, much sought for, as a good. For we do now behold thee gay and glad as at doomsday when souls shall wear their new array, and all thy bones with beauty shall be clad. Therefore we can go die asleep and trust half that we have unto an honest, faithful grave, making our pillows either down or dust. Actually, since we're here. Yeah, let's do love. Go back a page. I love um, George Herbert, I, I, I'm, I'm, next week we're going to do The collar. we haven't done this but we'll do, it, it's page 4, we'll do The Caller but it's a long film so let me wait. Let's do Love, page 1. <laughs> love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. The quick-eyed love observing me grow slack from my first entrance in drew near to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. <laughs> A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful. Ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply. Who made the eyes? But I. Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame. My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. George Rupert. Okay. These times we're spending together are getting awfully emotional. <laughs> okay. Quick review. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Put
0: a watch on it. One last
1: point.
4: When you say, when you say <laughs> quick, everybody in the yeah, room yeah. rolls their eyes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do not encourage that guy, will you? Because I've been watching him do that. All, we were only here, what, 45 minutes already. For a man who has spent his life
3: reading and learning language and literature and does not know what the word quick means, is quite
0: <laughs> Did I have to take this abuse from
3: my, from my class?
2: Huh. Oh my goodness.
4: Okay. Where's Mike? Settle down, Your
0: definition and your mind. Okay, quickly. This is going to be a quick review. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's a,
0: be still. <laughs> Um, quick. Oh my goodness. Um, the last couple of classes, we've looked at Upper Purgatory, and I just yes. want to remind everybody this siren because she's such a powerful image. Remember, on the second night, Dante and Virgil have to rest. The sun goes down. They're on the ledge of sloth, and while, while they are there, they talk. Um, um, and we get a number of these really important discourses, and late in the night Dante sleeps, and when he sleeps he has this dream of the siren. The point that I want to, I just want to reinforce today, remember she's an an image of the power, the, the way we transform something we want into something more beautiful, more attractive than it is. It's an expression of the way Excessive loves in our own soul project out and make something more than it is. Very often between the sexes, I mean, let me put that out. It's not just a car, we want a car, and as soon as it gets scratched, we're disillusioned. It's, it's, we bring that to our human relationships with consequences. I and mean, when the people don't meet up to our expectations, we get angry and discouraged and feel let down. So it's a serious critique. Remember, she's situated where she is because what Dante's going to encounter in the next three levels um, are excessive love of good things. They're to be love. The the sins below, pride, envy, wrath, are loves of evil. We want something bad to come to our neighbor. We're too proud. We, don't, we want to be above them. We're too envious. We want to see them lose something. We're too angry. We want to... We want to get back at them when they've hurt us. They're all loves of evil and they, they, they cloud the way we see. So in every one of those episodes we've seen, people are learning to take burdens on themselves, to correct themselves, to clear their sight. Because as their sight clears and they learn to see good where it is, instead of making it bad, they learn to love better. When it comes to the level of the sloth, it's inadequate love and he's about ready to go to those upper three levels where he's going to encounter the love of good things, okay? They're natural loves, they should be things, food, wine, sex, remember? Avarice, gluttony, lust. Things are good, food and wine are good, sex is good, but so often we we bring disordered loves to them and make of them something they're not. The church calls that idolatry we saw Homer's treatment of that Dante learned from Homer. I mean, imagine a world without the pagans. Dante could not have done this. They, they taught us so much. It's just sad to see the modern world turn away from them. Odysseus had to encounter the sirens, okay? So it's, and, and it, Homer knew it well. He couldn't have done that if he didn't know it well. The one thing that I just want to remind everybody of is this, that remember um, it's Dante's desiring her that transforms her and gives her a beauty that's really at odds with the way she really is, because she's stuttering, yellow, maimed, she's just not attractive. The most important thing, one of the most important things to take away from that is he cannot free himself from her on his own. That's just absolutely crucial to see. If you go back to the Odyssey, when Odysseus is on um, Circe's Island, Hermes (laughs) Hermes comes to help him. Hermes gives him a little molly. And it's only because he has that molly that he can strengthen himself against Circe's enchantments. She turns men into swine. That is, she, she brings the sexual animal out of man. She's she's different from Calypso because Calypso is an image of that, that power in woman to spiritualize. She's, she, she brings out the spiritual. Her, her power is much greater than Circe. She has Odysseus for eight, eight years, Circe for one. Hermes comes to um, Odysseus' um, um, sisters. Without that molly, he couldn't be free of her. So we know that Odysseus can't get free of Circe without divine help. And we also know that he can't get free of Calypso. Hermes comes to him to help him from Calypso. So Homer's really clear about this. With respect to the sexes, I don't care what the modern world says, with respect to the se- women didn't need to come into in politics, they had more power over men, I mean, just by virtue of being women. Homer's really clear in it. Of the nine and a half years that Homer, Odysseus is away on his journey, nine of those years are spent with, under the control of women. The power that women have over men, sexually, spiritually, the image, the beauty of them. You don't have to look further than our culture to see the way the, the media plays to the beauty of women. Um, I mean, it's hypnotizing. You, you can't go anywhere where it's not used. That, that's how profound it is. That's how archetypal it is. So when when Dante picks this up, he's not he's he's not an innocent. He knows exactly what's going on. He he's got into that personally from his own life. One of the most important things to see is there's no way a dis, um, Dante can get free of that siren on his own, right? Lucia comes to Vir- wait here. Reason is not strong enough. Virgil won't do it. Lucia has to come to say to Virgil, "What are you doing? Wake him up." Reason, we can say, how we can go to our death saying how rational we are and how much self-control we have with our reason. I'm trusting everybody knows that. See if reason is enough to stop us when you, when you see a good piece of food in front of you and you want to eat it and you know you shouldn't. Or whatever, sex, food, drink, wine, whatever it is. What, what Dante's showing us is that there's no way to escape that power except with divine help. That's how great it is. So I just want everybody to see that. when Dante goes up to the upper purgatory, the levels of upper tur- purgatory, he's going to face love of good things, not evil. these are good things. but that's the kind of power we give them over us because of our desires. We want these things. So we <coughs> saw the power of the siren and then we um, we saw the souls on the level of avarice and I just want to quickly summarize, quickly um, go over these. Take a look um, on page three oh one. I'm gonna go through these very, very quickly. Even though that word's taken on a relative meaning in this class. <laughs> It's here that Dante, remember, meets Pope Adrian. Who's remember all of the souls on the level of the avaricious are prone, with their face down in the dust, because they wanted things so much, like the like the envious. They wanted things so much um, that now they're being asked to look into the dust. From dust you came, from dust you will, as a way of doing penance for wanting the world too much. The top of three one, adhesit pavimento, anima, mea, uh, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. So the prayer for the average, I, I want to make this really clear because we're, we're about ready to leave um, the purgatory. Every level shows us a goad, it shows us a contrapasso, a goad, a check, a prayer, and a beatitude. I mean, can't get more catechetical than this. We see what the souls are suffering from. We see the nature of the sin. We see the encouragements to the virtue that are opposite the sins. We see the checks, the sins themselves. Each one has a prayer that's particular to it. And each one has its own beatitude. What Dante's saying pretty clearly is, learn to recognize your sins. And when you do, say these prayers. Look for these goads. Practice these checks. You know, these, I mean, I can hear Father Flynn say, pick one mm-hmm. sin and work on it, mm-hmm. but he never said how, you know, it's easy enough to say, but Dante's giving it to us. Mm-hmm. Every sin has a virtue. If we, know our, if we know ourselves, as presumably we hope to, I mean, over the course of our life, we should be able to say, these are our weaknesses, I know this, this is my weakness, these are the things I've got to do. How easy is it? I don't have a question about myself. I mean, I'm trusting all of us know how hard they are. So here's the prayer for the avarice. My soul cleaveth under the dust. On page 305, we see the goads. Remember, Mary is always the first goad. Um, Or 304 at the bottom. So the souls are prostrate on the ground, and um, you can hear them speaking out the goads and checks. Then somewhere up ahead of us I heard a voice saying, Sweet Mary, and the cry was like that of a woman giving birth. The voice went on, How very poor you were is clear to all men from the place you found. Mary's virtue, what's the answer to avarice? Poverty. Do we give up things. That we we learn to live as if we had nothing. To stop acting as if we don't have everything. We're going to be sad. Mary gave up everything. So once again, we see Mary imaging the virtue that's opposite. If we, if Avis is a sin, this is what the souls are doing. Um, on page three hundred nine, we see images of the of the the uh, checks at the bottom of um, three hundred eight. Um, the words that I recited early about the one bride of the Holy Ghost, which brought you to me that I might explain, make up the prayers that we here must recite as long as daylight lasts. So as long as the daylight goes on, these recite these prayers. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Though our litany is just the opposite at night, he says. Then we cry out against Pygmalion, how he turned traitor, thief, and parasite. Remember, he was the, well. He actually, wouldn't this is in um, um, Virgil's the Aeneas. Pygmalion was given to greed. So the great sin of avarice is greed, wanting something too much. So here we get a list of the the checks against the images of the sin itself. Um, And then on 317, um, as Dante passed from the the level of the avarice to the gluttonous, um, the angel um, removes another (coughs) one of the peas by now we'd already left behind the angel who directs the sixth round, and from my brow erased another scar, saying that all who look for righteousness are blessed, omitting the Isuriant, the hunger, and predicted only situate. Um, Blessed are those who thirst after righteousness. So the answer for the beatitude, the blessing that one comes to in getting rid of avarice, is righteousness. That is, we're not arrested by the world anymore. We can be righteous. We're freed of it. What we do will be in greater freedom, greater truth. Um, and it's interesting. If I don't know if you've been paying attention, but it's really interesting to watch the the passage from one level to the next, because so often the angels remove the the P without being seen. It's showing the work of the spirit that that. Genuinely virtuous acts are not done so people can see us. If they're done in love, they're done for the good of another, not for ourselves. How hard that is, because we always want people to see us. Um, But every one of the angels has that quality, some of them visibly so. So the level of gluttony. um, On the level of the gluttonous, there are two trees um, with fruit and and um, water dripping down and the souls below hungering and thirsting for the trees. But they have to keep moving to make themselves move because it's only if they move away from it that they'll get free of it. But out of the trees come these voices, okay? So turn to page 321. But then, right in the row, a tree appeared, laden with fruit whose fragrance filled the air, and instantly that pleasant talk was stopped. That is, they, they hunger and thirst so much that they that they want to eat or drink. Just as a fir tree tapers towards the top from branch to branch, so this one tapered down to keep the souls from climbing, I suppose. On that side where our way was bounded, poured clear water from the high rock to the tree, sprinkling the topmost leaves in its cascade. As the two poets um, drew close, there came a voice that shouted at us from within the tree, this fruit and water is denied to you. Then the voice said, Mary was more intent on gracing the wedding feast with plenitude than on her own mouth, which now pleads for you. She didn't open her mouth for food. She was more concerned about the guest. That's when she says to Christ, they have no wine, remember, so she's opening her mouth not to feed herself but to offer um, generously to those um, around her. Um, 323, um, in the middle of the page, then suddenly we heard the tearful chant of labia mea domini in tones inspiring a sweet blend of joy and pain. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim that. You, we all know that, I think. We know that prayer. So we're opening our lips to pray, not to feed ourselves. So the answer to gluttony, to eating too much, is to pray again. You know, but, but it's it's just amazing what Dante's done. He's he's giving us the prayer, the the deal specifically with a sin, as well as the uh, the goads and the checks and the beatitudes. Um, three, let's see. On page three, we know the down below their eyes dark shadowed, sunken in their heads, their faces pale, their bodies worn so thin. That is the souls on the level of gluttony are starving themselves. So they have emaciated looking faces. Their eyes, they look like sockets. um, You can almost see their skeletal fixtures. Go on over on 326, I mentioned this before but I want to take a minute because I think it's so touching. He, he meets with Farizi, who is a good friend of him, at the top of 326, and he says, Farizi, since that day when you abandon our world for a better life, less than five years from your last day have passed, if when you knew that moment of sweet grief that weds the soul to God again, you were close to your death, able to sin no more, how have you climbed so high in the Mount? I thought surely to, fi- to find you down below were souls who had wasted time must pay with time. We saw that, right? in They're delayed because they delayed life. Dante's shown us that each person will be measured according to his responsibility, how much responsibility he took for himself. He's surprised to see Farisi there because Farisi didn't start doing penance until late in his life. So we get an image of a man, once again, who put off doing penance, and he's surprised. Here's Farisi's answers, and it's really telling against, once more, this notion of how... God. And you could almost say one of the principal things that we learn in the purgatorio, or in our faith, is how much our own spirit of self-reliance gets in the way, in our pride, because we want to think we're so good and capable we want people to admire us. Uh, we don't look to help from other people. We just don't. What Dante's showing us, God, what Dante showed us is it's only by virtue of the help we get from other people, largely God, that we get along. Otherwise we're in hell, in our own world, often our private world. Mm. It was my Nella with her flowing tears, he answered me, who brought me here so poor to let me drink the sweet wormwood of pain. It was her pious prayers and her laments that raised me from the slope where souls must wait and set me free from all other rounds. All the more dear and pleasing to the Lord is my sweet widow that I greatly love. It's, It's her prayers that got him to this level, because if it had been left to him, he would be down below. You know. Um, so, it's this amazing gift that love is to us, and it, it seems to me that one of the things Dante's showing us is this, you know, when we began the class, I talked about her in my prayer, I said um, help us to trust to make a place for mystery in our lives, that when there are troubles, we know that you're doing this we know that you're doing something even if we can't see it because you're not gonna leave us alone he just has to protect our free will in the way he goes about it and and somehow in a way that helps us to get better instead of presuming on him or you know but learning to trust in the right way so there's this great love that's at work in the world Dante didn't see it, but once again, there's this wonder that he's experiencing. Frisey is making it clear to him what's going on. But the other thing I want to point out here, notice what he goes on to say. He said, my wife lived in this town where there were very few virtuous women, which made her virtue all the greater. She didn't do what other women did. Um, My dear brother, how can I tell you this? I see a future time, it won't be long, in which, ban- Notice what a severe condemnation in which bands from the pulpit shall clamp down on those ladies of Florence who bold-faced now walk our city streets as they prayed their bosoms to their tits. What barbarous girls, what, fee- what female Saracen had to be taught spiritual discipline or anything to keep her body decently concealed. What an interesting con- condemnation of Christianity. The Saracens grew up under law. The women are going to be asked to be more modest. You've got all these Christian women running around <laughs> their bosoms out of their tits. <laughs> so we're <laughs> has the world changed at all? I mean, you're watching these young women play loose because they've got the freedom to do it. And once again, think about Dante's critique. There are not laws being enforced. Um I mean, the, the the disorders between the church and the state are are showing in the way people live their lives. Um, mm-hmm. But if those shameless cre- creatures only knew what the swift heavens have in store for them, they would by now be screaming their heads off. For if our own foresight here does not deceive, they shall have cause to grieve before the cheeks of those now soothed by lullabies grow beards. That is, before kids who are in the nursery having lullaby sing to them, grow up to become men, there will be a severe change. And as a matter of fact, it took place. Dante knew that because, remember, he's treating it as if all these prophecies haven't occurred, but they already have. And what happened was the church put a ban on the dress of women because they, what they were doing was, it had become so scandalous. Um, <clears throat> The Beatitude on three thirty-four. In the middle of the page, I felt a breeze strike soft upon my brow, I felt a wing caress it, I'm sure I sensed the sweetness of ambrosia. I heard the words, blessed are those in whom grace shines so copiously that love of food does not arouse excessive appetites, but lets them hunger after righteousness. He feels the, ingle, the angel as a wind, just this soft scent, the, be- the beauty um, and the, the, that pea is removed. Um, um, one last thing before we leave these two. Um, this, I'm sorry, um, Fred isn't here, um, because he, I know he asked a question about the body and soul. I don't know if you guys remember, but he said there's shades how can Dante identify them? Remember And I said that according to our philosophy, the soul and body are, are one. You can't separate them. Um, when, the, when the soul departs, its imprint is with the body. It, that's why Dante can identify them. Virgil makes clear that the greater the ardor of the soul, the dead soul, the more it can do what it wants. The, you know, love and do what you will, the, the, more, uh, the more it moves towards God. This is not a small thing for Dante, and um, it's not a small thing in the, mod- in the modern world. And I want you to just think about it. Plato denied that unity. He looked at the body as a prison house. It was something not good. The whole platonic critique. It, it, Plato's an extraordinary figure, but there's that tendency in him to demean the body. That's why I, I believe that insofar as the Protestant world took itself off from him, it's, it's, most of the Protestant divines looked down on the body. Um, Plato believed that they weren't connected. Aristotle did. He he knew that they they couldn't be separated. They're they're one. They form a whole. So Plato's on one side. There's this division. Averroes, who was a contemporary, a medieval philosopher, believed that there was not this unity that every individual soul, when he died, would become a part of a general soul. It's almost Eastern, almost Hindu, that he becomes a part of this universal soul. Was
4: Averroes
1: Muslim? Hmm?
0: Wasn't Averroes Muslim? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, Dante's showing he's read Saint Thomas well, and Saint Thomas knew Averroes. He knew Maimonides, with which, who was a Jewish philosopher. Aristotle did this amazing job of synthesizing all these men. But here's the point I want to just emphasize: if, if you if you go to either extreme, the body and soul are separate, it gets easy to dismiss the individual. At the other extreme, you can, you can go with the riveros or the, um, what are the, what are the, um, eat, drink, and be merry? Um, Epicureans. The Epicureans. There's no soul. Do whatever you want. Think about the arguments that people use in favor of abortion. To the degree that we lose a sense that the soul and body are, form a unity, it gets easier to dismiss the value of the human being. At the center of our faith is this belief that the body and soul are absolutely one. That in death we will be separated in the in the um, in the final days. In the in the what's the when the body will be returned? The, in the final days. Whoops! Last judgment. The communion of saints. Huh? The communion of saints. When no, it's that. What's the? Perusia.
4: Huh? Perusia. Perusia.
0: No, it's it's when the body will be given back to the to the human being, that the body will be returned, so man will never lose his uniqueness. Whoever each one of us is, is protected into the next life, and you know the mystery because we're not Hindu. Um, in Christ- at the center of our faith is this belief that that our understanding protects the individuality, the unity that God made each one of us in His image uniquely and yet in our final when those who go to heaven will be um, they'll be fully indwelling with each other yeah so that so that he will the, each soul will be individual and separate but one with others so that's at the mystery this this wholeness that the souls are working to recover um, and and what it will do to their vision remember that movie I was so taken by when that when that woman went with her husband and watched him. It was the same world. He was working over the dead. And she absolutely, the way she saw what took place absolutely changed, utterly changed. She began to see with humility and love and it changed what she did. Um, and I think it's why her husband did not want to leave the job when she said leave it. Because he had begun to see something was going. And remember, his, he, he had to hide it, he, he was embarrassed. But he began to see something was going on as he experienced those things with the families, the effect and, and to just, it's almost like a privilege to be, to be able to be in that place to say goodbye to the dead. Um, okay, um, so Stasius' discourse is not one of these things you can just talk. He, as they move towards the end of purgatory, we've had three really important discourses. Virgil's discourse on free will, Virgil's discourse on love, the nature of love, and Stacey's discourse on the unity of the body and soul. Those are all central to Catholic teachings. They they should affect everything we do, to to feel in our hearts, to know in our minds. That's the way things are. Okay, um, when they come to the level of the lustful uh, remember that the contrapasso is the fire that, that, um, that um, um, circles the ledge next to the, to the inner mountain, the surface of the mountain. And the interesting thing about the contrapasso here is, and this is interesting because it's not that way with the proud or the envious or the, um, any of the others, the, the contrapasso, the punishment, is also the means of purification. It, it's, it's an image of the sin itself because lust is flaming. It's, you know, it's, it's a f- talk about. I, I've always had this question, I, I can't answer it, but I'll offer this thought on it. I've, I've always wondered whether one of the meanings behind this gathering of the poets that I'm about to look at is that poets by nature tend to be very passionate men and given to lust. I don't know. I'm, I, I can't speak on, you know. On, but it's interesting to me that, um, that, that that fire is, and it's also interesting, the souls at the level of the lustful want to be in that fire. They, they want to be in it. They're, they're great lovers. Remember, this is the one closest to love. This is the one ledge that most resembles love. They want to be in that fire. That's their sin. And yet they want to get free of it, to become chaste. So, the contrapasso is the fire, Um, the goads, let's see, where the goads, um, on page 339, go back. Um, I saw spirits walking in the flames, I watched them, but I also watched my steps caught between fear and curiosity. When they had sung that hymn through to the end, they cried out loudly, Virum non cognosco, I know no man. It's Mary again for chastity, okay, it's the answer to the lustful. So, um, the the contrapassos, the flame, the goads, are once again the major goad is is Mary. Um, On page 341, Dante encounters the souls, and at the level of lustful, lustful, there are two rows of men. It's interesting, almost all the souls in Purgatory and Hell are men. Not all of them, but there are two rows of men. One of them going the right way are the heterosexuals. They're, they're there be, not because of a illicit love, because of an excess of love. And the souls going the opposite way are homosexuals, because they were engaged in unnatural expressions of love. And so remember, homosexuality doesn't put one outside of the church. It's just another sin that there's people doing penance both ways. So take a look at 4:30. Well, what? does it?
1: 4:30? Yeah, 4. Three
0: something. Yeah, 3:41. As soon as friendly greetings are exchanged before taking the first step to depart, each one tries to out-shout the other's cry. The group that just arrived, Sodom Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, remember was the, you all know this one the Bible, was the city that God was going to destroy because of its unnatural lives. The rest, pacifē, enters the cow so that the bull may rush to mount her lust. Um, this is interesting because, I'm, I'm, I'm still puzzled about this. I'm, I actually am. The, the myth behind that, remember, is that um, her, her, her husband, King Minos, became so enamored of a, of a bull that he didn't sacrifice it. That is, he, he, he was so possessive of something, he wouldn't give it up to God. Um, the gods took vengeance on, on it and, turn, and made his wife fall in love with it, Persephone. And she asked um, Daedalus, the the one who, the great artisan, to construct this maze, or first this box that looked like a cow. And the the um, the um, she, she mated with the bull inside this artif- this artifice, and produced the Minotaur, who is the beast man. And remember, we saw him. At, he was the guardian of the uh, violent. And we talked a little bit about that. I know we did it in Virgil because the Minotaur is is one of the beasts that Aeneas has to face when he comes to Rome. Um, because of a man's pride in wanting to be too possessive and a woman who, who become be, became too possessive something bestial in man, it produced this bestial form of sexuality. So the, the Greek world was had this extraordinary understanding of the depths of the disorders that we carry inside of ourselves. The Minotaur is the image of that, this beast man, Um, this unnatural love that we're capable of as as humans. Um, 342 at the bottom, Dante says, I climb to cure my blindness, for above a lady has won grace for me that I may bear my mortal burdens through this world. Everything he's doing is to teach him to see better with um, chastised eyes, chastised heart. Remember the, the penance, the contrapasso, and the level of lustful is the souls enter the fire. They actually want to go there, um, and remember, each love gets each ledge gets narrower and narrower as the souls go up. So, on the level of the lustful, it's, it's that passage that I just read a minute ago, where Dante said he he had to be very careful because it was dangerous where he would step. At the level of this is really interesting. It's the only it's the only ledge in which the sin and the penance are the same. Fire for both. The fire is expressive of the sin. The souls are purged, purified by fire. If Dante gets too far outside of that ledge, he falls over. If any of the souls come out of it. So what we see in the level of lustful is that people are walking so fine a line. They're either going to be burning, you know, have to get out to take, but if they do jump out and they're, they go too far, they're they lose their way. So what Dante's showing is the... There's such a fine line between lust and love, but the implications of it are serious. The the implications are Sodom and Gomorrah and the Minotaur. Page 347. Upon the the bank, beyond the fire's reach, he stood singing Beati mundo corde, blessed are the pure of heart. It's the angel giving the last beatitude. If you take every one of the beatitudes, you'll see that each one is related to a specific sin, and all of them together um, move man towards this purity that he once had with God. Um, that's virtually purgatory. Um, I want to stop for a minute because we're gonna look at Dante and Virgil arriving at, at Eden, but before I do, any, any questions? The, I want to look at the poets just for a minute, but any questions about what's going on? um, This, to to try to summarize it, I just say that, what I've already said before, but every act of penance that a person does, no matter how small, um, begins to help that person see differently, become aware, I'm saying this really truthfully, too. The more we do that, the more we take on a suffering. I mean, a good one, not a bad one. Um, the more it changes us, because whenever we suffer, it changes our consciousness. It's as if we're reborn and we become somebody different. I can't say that enough. Remember, the word suffering, so from the Latin means to bring up from underneath. Ferre means fertile to bring up. When anybody goes through a period of suffering, no matter how bad it is, when we come out of it, we're not the same, our consciousness is changed. Think about the difference between us now and 30 years ago when we were kids. Um, we're not the same so that what's happening as people move along through the church, if the mountain is an image of the church, I think it is. Is that they're they're being reborn again and again and again and again, they're being renewed, something new. So even if we feel like we're the same person, we're not who we were ten years ago, five years ago, four years ago. It's important to hold on to that, I believe, because sometimes I think we can despair and you know, we get so dark about ourselves, and all that's just an indication of our pride. There, I mean, there it is again. Um,
4: so people can also go the other way, back. I mean, hopefully it renews, renews <coughs> you and makes you a better person. But can there also be people who become bitter and? Uh, I
0: don't. I mean, yes, in life, and but despair. I, but in 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 penance in the church, Dante, Saint Augustine's, everybody's answer would be no, because if we're taking penance seriously, if we're really learning to. If we're really learning, to, if we're really learning, here, I mean, wait, let me, let me, because I, I mean, you're sort of following up with what I said, I mean, if our pride gets in the way, and we, and that, those, we see through eyes of pride, then we're going to be impatient, we're going to say, not soon enough, or I want, or, it shows that we're still seeing, I mean, I, I I know I'm speaking for myself, I'm trusting, I'm speaking for everybody else here, I think this is what Dante's showing, when you enter the church, Remember, don't look back. Do, we, do all of us do that? <laughs> I don't believe for a minute we do. I think we constantly look back. But what, what Dante's showing us is a forward movement of the direction of the church at its root. That whenever we do penance and take them seriously, this is what's happening. We're learning to trust in God, to not be so self-reliant. Um, that produces a spirit of humility in us. The, the movie was just wonderful and showing it last night, I thought. In the man and the you know the and the and the woman, that you begin to see the world differently. So the darkness that so can so get a hold of us, isn't there? It begins to open. So the, and one of the other lovely images. Sorry to go back. Remember when when he was looking at the father, because he, he said to the wife, um, I don't believe, I believe your mother never stopped loving him, mm-hmm. and she's waiting. She's got the rock in her hand, and he's looking at him. He, he said, I've never been able to picture him. Yeah. And then out of a cloud, the, the face takes on clarity. I believe that corresponded to that moment when he forgave his father and began to see him in love. Forgave him, and he came. So all that we're talking about here, just in an amazing way, corresponds that the, the more we learn to be with God, the, the more we put our pride away, the more we trust in him, the more we grow in love, the darkness begins to move out some. Does the modern world see that? <laughs> God, it's nothing but darkness um, for the most, I mean, it's, it's, maybe that's an overt statement, but God, without God, what Dante showed us, no man can dispel that darkness on his own. That's something that only comes with help. So if, if, if they're taking penance seriously then i my answer to that is or I means trying to speak for Dante no that because the ultimate end of our life is joy, light, beauty, order, indwelling, fullness, you know all of those we're going to see that more and more as we this we're just getting to the top of purgatory here. Let me go to the end of the purgatory because it's um These are beautiful lines. We don't have, we don't have time to do these. I wish we did. Um, Actually, Gita just goes so much to what you're, speaks so directly to. I wish we had time. Okay, what's Dante showing? As man moves through his life and he undertakes a penance, Remember, the difference between purgatory and hell is the people in hell want justice, that's what they've got. The people in purgatory want justice, but they're asking for mercy. So they're bringing law and love together. That's the whole journey of purgatory. Um, as they undertake these penance, they they, um, they relieve themselves, or are relieved, of their sins. That's, you know The peas are wiped off, and they become more and more whole. So when they get to the top of, of Purgatory, they return to something like the Garden. This was man's original state. E- except it's different, and, I, and it, it's so important that I want to get to it in a minute. But notice Dante's description of it. 352. Without delay I left the bank behind and slowly made my way across the... Bu-. He's just had a dream of Leon and Rachel, the contemplative and active life, um, and it's important to see that they, they, um, they are both important in the church, but the one is for the sake of the other. The act of life is for the sake of the contemplative, to learn to see the world better. Um, when he comes out of the dream, he comes up um, to the earthly paradise now, and this is the way he describes it. Now eager to explore on every side the heavenly forest thick with living green, which made the bright new morning light more soft, without delay I left the bank behind and slowly made my way across the plain, whose soil gave its own fragrance to the air. My forehead felt the stirring of sweet air, whose flowing rhythm always stayed the same, and struck no harder than the gentlest breeze. Down, they did not curve so sharply towards the ground, that little birds among the topmost leaves could not continue practicing their art. They welcomed in full-throated, joyful sound the days beginning to their leafy boughs, whose soughing sound, sound accompanied their song. All of nature is one, the birds, the trees, the fragrance, the soil. Go down, by now, although my steps were slow, I found myself so deep within the ancient wood, I could not see the place where I came in. The whole world of purgatory, gone. It's behind. The clearest, of, the clearest of all waters on our earth would seem to have somehow a cloudy tinge compared to this flowing transparency. The, the streams are beautiful. By the way, those of you who did Eliot last year, th- those of you who did um, when we did the um, quartets, if you remember Bert Norton, Eliot describes going to the pool and seeing the, dun- lun- the um, sunlight, hearing the birds and the children. There's not a question that he's got this scene. That remember, we those of you here, that the garden haunts us. We all want to recover that world, where everything enjoyed this oneness. Things were one with each other. The streams are absolutely transparent. So the clearest streams on earth would seem cloudy. <laughs> the beauty of those lines. Um, I had to stop. But with my eyes, I crossed beyond the rivulet to contemplate the many-colored splendors of the boughs. And there appeared, as sometimes will appear, an unexpected sight so marvelous. All other thoughts are driven from my mind. This is Matilda, the woman who comes to greet him. She will welcome Dante now, but I just, just remember, Dante has now recovered that place that, w- that was like Eden before the fall. So it has the freshness of, it's like Adam and Eve awakening to this fresh thing, full of wonder. Um, um, Everything about it is um, wonderful. It talks about the peace of it, the quiet. Um, Go on over now, 350. Um, Page 358 in the middle. My brother, look and listen, she says. By the way, Matilda's really strange, and I'm not quite sure to make of her, except it seems to me (coughs) she's she's in some way supposed to represent the opposite of the siren. She's an image of the beauty of original woman, gracious, hospitable, nurturing, welcoming, um, Dante. Um, She says... um, Watch and listen, suddenly a burst of incandescent cut the air with one quick flash. It lit up all the woods. First I thought it was a lightning flash, but lightning goes as quickly as it comes. What I saw stayed, its radiance increased. What can this be, I thought, and as I did, a gentle melody was drifting through the luminous atmosphere. The righteous zeal made me curse the presumptuousness of Eve. To think that while on earth and heaven obeyed his will, a single woman, newly made dare to strip off the veil imposed by him. Had she remained submissive to his will, I could on those ineffable delights have feasted sooner and for much more time. He watches this procession approach over on 359 towards the bottom. Why are you so intent on looking only at those living lights? Have you no wish to see what comes behind? Now, I don't want to go through it all, but he sees 24 elders he sees four women on one side of a chariot, three on the other. The natural virtues, the supernatural, faith of charity, prudence, temperance, justice, endurance. Um, That is, it... It Here, because we don't have time to do this, but I want everybody to picture it. I would recommend you all read this, go back, and don't treat it mechanically, because it's so symbolic. What Dante's showing us is the Mass. But he's not showing it week by week, It's all there, I want everybody to hear this seriously. We go to Mass, but we're in time, things fragment. We we, we have a sense of this wholeness. We're not living it, we're in a fallen world. We go to Mass each week, but it's broken up. We get readings each week. What Dante's showing us is that Mass in its wholeness because Dante's recovered it. Now imagine what that experience would be. Truly, take any Mass in which you've been moved profoundly and know, however profoundly moved you were, it was only a part of our church. Imagine that in its fullness, because that's what's happening. All of these creatures are moving towards Dante, with Beatrice in this chariot, pulled by a griffin, an eagle, an eagle dual-natured, eagle, justice, lion, the nobility, the, the Lion of Judah. Um, Dante so taken by it that he's not seeing Beatrice. Um, Finally she comes, page 365. He sees her, and instantly though many years had passed since I last stood trembling before her eyes, captured by adoration, stunned by awe, my soul that could not see her perfectly still felt Succumbing to her mystery and powers, the strength of its enduring love. (coughs) No sooner were my eyes struck by the force of the high piercing virtue I had known before I quit my boyhood years than I turned to the left with all the confidence that makes a child run to its mother's arms when he's frightened or needs comforting. To say to Virgil, Not one drop of blood is left inside my veins that does not throb. I recognize signs of the ancient flame. I think. That's Eros. When we know that all Eros has just been purged. So Dante's saying this is that even when he's through a purgatory, there's still something there, okay? But Virgil was not there. We found ourselves without Virgil's sweet father, Virgil to whom, for my salvation, I gave up my soul. Now, this is Beatrice. Dante, though Virgil leaves you, do not weep, nor yet that is for you shall have to weep, from yet another wound, do not weep yet. Um, down to the bottom, I sense the regal sternness of her face. <coughs> Notice that line, regal sternness of her face. As she continued in the tone of one who saves the sharpest words until the end. Yes, look at me. Yes, I am indeed Beatrice. I, do, I can't give it the sternness. She's, my voice is masculine. Hers has got to be feminine and far more powerful than my own. Um, Yes, I am Beatrice. So, you at last have deigned to climb the mountain? You learned at last that here lies human, that is, you condescended to come here? I don't know if you can hear the scorn there, but I lowered my head and looked down at the stream, but filled with shame at my reflection there. I quickly fixed my eyes upon the um, um, the grass. The women ask why she's shaming him so, um, and she says bottom of 368. I prayed that inspiration come to him through dreams and other means. In vain I tried to call him back, so little did he care. To such depths did he sink that finally there was no other way to save his soul except to have him see the damned in hell. Dante was damned. He's only here because of Beatrice's help to show him the damned so he would know what he's facing. I take that to mean that's true for every one of us. That's why Dante wrote it. Okay?
1: So he believed himself to
0: be dead? But before this moment, yeah, I mean, this is the whole reason. Remember, this in one sense, this is prophetic. We've been hearing all these prophetic things are going to happen. We're going to learn later. And Beatrice, a number of people have said it. You have got to go and write this for people to know that. That's his calling. It will get clearer and clearer as we move up period. But this is a foretaste. I mean, we it's it's said clearly. Remember... Um, Mary went to Lucia, Lucia went to Beatrice, Beatrice went to um, Virgil. Virgil's just left him, now Beatrice is greeting him. Be- wait, wait, hold on, because she's got to take I want to come, I'm going to hold on, just wait a minute. She's got to take him the rest of the way, she's got to do something Virgil can't, but the point I want to make here is, two of the greatest influences in life, Virgil, who gave him all of his wisdom, and Beatrice, who revealed the Trinity, are now here. And she's saying, I had to do this to him because otherwise he would have been damned. He was damned. He had to see hell to learn to see what he was doing or he wouldn't have. Because she said, um, on 368, she said, I died when I I had risen from the flesh to spirit, become more beautiful, more virtuous. That is, when she became invisible to him, she died. She was actually more beautiful. And and we're going back to this mystery. How many of... How many of us see with spiritual eyes? How many of us can get past the flesh? The, the, the worldliness that we've been talking about. How many of us can bet that to, to see spiritual reality? She's saying, I died. I've become more beautiful, more virtuous. He found less pleasure in me, loved me less, and wandered the path from the path that leads to truth, pursuing simulacra, that is, imitations of the good. That he's probably going out with all these other women because he couldn't no longer have Beatrice. So this is a severe critique of the eyes of the flesh. But Beatrice now is going to greet him and she's, she sternly greeted him. He's going to pass out here. Now I've got two questions and we're going to have to huh again? again yes. um, because she's so stern with him. Two quick questions and then we've got to stop. What does it mean that Virgil leaves at this point? Remember, when he sees Beatrice coming, he's like a nervous child, <laughs> it's just like somebody turning to his mother that makes a child run to its mother's arms when he's frightened. He's now looking to the woman who moved him, whom he was not faithful to. And now he's got to confront. Turns to Virgil for help, and Virgil's gone. Okay, now go back one more thing before we, um, on page 351, and then I want to pick up these questions. Why does Virgil matter? This is the point at which Virgil and Dante emerged to the earthly paradise. Virgil says, I led you here with skill and intellect. From here on, let your pleasure be your guide. Augustine, love and do what you will. Expect no longer words or signs from me. Now, now your will upright, wholesome and free, and, do not, and not to heed its pleasure would be wrong. I crown and miter you, Lord of yourself. According to our tradition, <coughs> priest, prophet, king. Priest has a throne. Bishop has a mitre. Virgil says, I crown and mitre you. You are you are king and priest. But you do to not do what you will would be wrong. And he says he'll say no more. Now now, what does it mean that Virgil's leaving here? Lots of people get upset about this because Virgil, remember, Dante wouldn't be here except for Virgil. And yet, now he's going back to hell.
1: Yeah, why is that?
0: That's what I'm asking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, but as he said, there's certain pagans
0: that are not destined
1: to hell. What?
0: No, well, well, they aren't. Well, by the way... They didn't
1: have Christ, and they didn't have... Wait, now. just
0: so you know, I'm going to give away something here. But in the middle of the Paradiso, we're going to see that, that God actually went back before Christ to get some pagans. So there are pagans in heaven. But out in a story, Virgil's going back to hell. What I'm asking, what's the significance of this moment? Because it's huge. It upsets a lot of people. I've troubled with it, and I think I've finally worked my way to it. But reason what, and poetry will only get you
3: so far.
0: <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember just, so, just so you don't forget this part, remember where this poetry is leading us, because it's taking us straight to God. Why is Virgil going back? at this moment. Maybe he didn't have the option to stay? Allegorically, what's the meaning of it? Remember there are different levels of meaning, there's a literal level and a.
1: Once you're judged, you're judged. And he was judged. He was where he was. He had to go back to where he was. Where he was, you know, to be. After you die, it's done. It's
3: not like he had a choice. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, it's this life that
4: you have a choice. I think Mark's comment was probably pretty close. What, Doug? Uh, Reason and poetry could only take you so
0: far. But I thought my answer was a good one. It's taking us all the way to God. It was well, it's
4: taking you to heaven, but he can't. Right. Virgil can't go in there. Why
0: not?
3: Didn't they dump the poets at the end of purgatory?
4: Because well, he says he's using skill and intellect. Yeah. Maybe he's also he's just, but not faith
0: flesh it out well, um, Say it,
4: well he, it says here on line 129 ish I led you here with skill and intellect from here on let your pleasure be your guide so these are the two things that Virgil has skill and intellect Um but maybe not faith or um,
0: I want to try to put this as tenderly as I can because I really love Virgil. Dante calls him father, master, lord. Um, he he reveres him, he loves him, um, not a question. Virgil loves Dante. I mean, those even though he's the sternness of a father, but he loves. Him. But at this point, he's going back. Now how do we reconcile that allegorically? What? How are we to understand that for the story? This is a journey. This is a journey of Dante. I'm assuming it's a journey for all of us that, Donnie's written it for all of us to. to so to.
4: Virgil must be doing it for Dante's good, if he's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: But why I don't know. Maybe that's
3: I mean, his mission. Always going, going back, go go never go. being able to stay. Sorry. You have to let go of what you love. What you, what you, what you love on earth. Because he's gonna.
0: But he's loves Beatrice.
1: Maybe
4: because he can't be seen by God. Because he's. You know he's he can't. He, can't, he literally can't go. But I think
0: everybody's saying it, and I may be wanting, I, I, I be, it may be my fault. Um, I think all of you are saying it, but it's, it, on an allegorical level, it seems to me what Dante's showing us is that, that when we've been formed, this whole element of trust of things we don't see, Virgil has sh- shown him the very best that reason can show him reason and skill you, but I, let me say reason, or love of worldly things. There's no way Virgil can show him more, and I think this is meant to be a sadness in, in this sense. I think what he's showing us in terms of the spiritual journey that men are invited to take to God, if this is a spiritual journey, and I'm assuming that it's a serious one, it, it, it's representative of all of us to move closer, these things happen. All the saints, all the spiritual journals, you know, write the same thing. I mean, they're all saying, virtually the same thing that Dante's saying. When you reach a point in your um, journey of faith, if I can put it, the life of faith, you reach a point where um, reason as you are used to using it has a fleshly nature to it. And at some point you have to give that reason up. Now I want to make this really clear. Does that mean reason? Is done away with. No, absolutely not, because Beatrice is going to use reason at every point to show Dante things. But what's interesting is her reason is informed by faith. So I think it's that moment when we have to let go of seeing the world that way. And I think it's a moment of sadness. It's a hard thing because it's not easy for us to let go of that. It's a great power over the world. It shows us a lot, it helps us a lot. We trust it a lot. This whole question of self-reliance. He's going to have to rely on Beatrice. She doesn't lack reason. But everything that forms her reason is of divine things. So I think this is that moment of a parting with self-reliance, the trust that we put in in our earthly, rational powers. It's not to say give up reason, because that's not what's going to happen. Reason is going to take us all the way to God. But it's a different form of reason, and I, it, for me that's really important, because I've, I've grown up listening to, to, to um, pr- um, secular professors grieve, I mean, resent this. It's like an unfairness that Virgil would have to go back to hell. I think allegorically, Dante's showing us that kind of reason has no place going forward. It will, it, don't look back. It will hold you back. That way of seeing, the, like the, I, imagine in the movie last night, if the wife had reached that point where she looked tenderly at her husband, the way she did at the very end when he was working on, the, you know, preparing his father, what would happen if she'd gone back to the woman she was 24 hours earlier? If she refused that life, I mean, what a loss!
3: is it a simple way to put forcing him to take a leap of faith because he's giving up everything he's known on this journey, which was his guide, who had all the answers, and and said, and now he's got to go on a leap of faith, basically, to something that you have to
0: believe in, you
1: can't. I,
0: I have a Wait, let me just respond if I can to Mark. Mark yeah, my, answer, my answer to that would be yes. The only trouble I have with it is, um, Dante will show us, he'll make clear, reason won't be given up. So if, if leap of faith means for people black, white, that I'd be reluctant to say that because reason never disappears. It's, it's an inherent gift God gave all of us. What happens is a certain kind of reason has to be shed. But to, so, because I'm saying, because very often you hear people leap of faith as if faith is blind and they give up reason. Dante's making it clear that doesn't happen. What I'm saying is reason takes a different form when Beatrice picks up and becomes his guide. We don't lose it. It's infused, it's changed. That other, what I, what I can only call fleshly reason, temporal reason, worldly reason, but isn't returns it, to it, but the isn't world. his reason because of new information? Sorry?
3: He's gaining information we don't have. And if you just, just take this story as true. We don't know the things that he's seen. We may believe them, we may not believe them, we may not understand them, but he's actually seen them. And our reason takes information that we have I now see it, I now understand it, and that becomes part of my reasoning as I move forward. So he's gaining more and more knowledge of truths in the story. Right. So that becomes part of his reason. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you're right, he doesn't abandon it, but things that we take on faith because we don't know, he's actually learning and seeing.
0: Except, I mean, this is this is why I'm trying to, I'm trying to be careful and qualify, um, except that that reason doesn't disappear, it, it, it continues to grow and takes a different form. It's not not there, it's not replaced by faith. Faith and reason continue to work together on this journey, but the kind of reason, I think Dante is very clear, allegorically, the temporal kind of reason that is, is imaged in Virgil as a person has to has to go, has to return, because to move forward on that journey is gonna change the way you use reason. You won't be able to reason the same way. Does that mean you won't be reasoning? No, it won't, does not. Reason's always with it. Um, but it'll be informed by something Virgil didn't have.
1: Right, I have trouble with this because it just means when you were born and where you are. I'm a pagan, I'm in Rome or whatever. You are who you are, okay? Mm-hmm. You might have your own faith based or whatever. But let's say I have all these wonderful
0: qualities. I'm damned to hell because
1: i did not Not part of the Hebrews, and I was born right. yep.
0: free. I, no. I don't believe that. No, yeah. wait, wait. I don't, Hold I don't on. believe. I'm going to cut this short. Time's up. Dante's going to answer that halfway up. All right. He's to, wait. Well, I, do I hear a spirit of trust there? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <You're>
0: <laughs> what is this whole class been about? Wait, I'm. I'm not saying this facetiously, and I'm not trying to blow you up. I don't want to do that. That your question is so profound, Dante's going to answer it, All right. and I mean, re, I mean, you're just anticipating where we're going. And it's interesting, because it it won't be at the loss of reason, because I think I think you're trying to hold on to it, because Dante knows so we. This is where our class started. Those growing up in Islam are using reason. Those growing up in Judaism are using reason. You know, people who are not Christianized are, you know what does God do? Does that mean they go to hell? Dante's going to answer it. Okay. Okay. that be like natural law? They say, you know, the world, everything, everything, if there was no religion, you would have this natural law. Everybody believes in this natural thing. And that's where you get us up to today. And this takes us beyond the natural law. Right. But but also remember, too, yes, Dick, Yeah. This whole journey only took place because a supernatural order was put into motion on Dante's behalf. So God, God never abandons anybody in the world. And is is anybody clear on the fact that somebody grows up in Islam and is is cultivated in that religion? Somebody grows up in Jewish lands and is you know he knows that better than we do. Um, Dante's going to answer this a, a little bit, but but. There's not anything going on yeah. that that doesn't involve God. What Dante's showing us is what happens in the best of the faith for for people <clears throat> who are open to it, who can receive it. Because obviously, lots of people don't. They don't, have, they don't. They don't. know this stuff. You know, how many how many people in Serbia or Afghanistan have read Dante? None. Yeah. I think
4: it's we We're
0: going to have class. I mean, I, as far as I know, unless unless somebody says we're taking over. There's there's with only one person that wasn't going to make it, and I thought if it's just one person, let's go ahead. If there's more, let me know. I'm going to go to mission. You were the one. Okay. That's <laughs> uh, You know we're talking about reason. Mm-hmm.
2: This is, this. there was a show called The uh, Song
1: okay, that's
2: why I brought it again, because, you know, And yeah. uh, yeah. I again. The bishop says, for those that believe, no explanation is necessary. For those that don't believe, no explanation will suffice. Isn't that those that believe, think by faith, it's a different form of reasoning? <laughs> right? But he, he was, like, trying to make it seem, reasoning is reasoning. And it isn't that way.
0: I would disagree with that priest in this sense that St. Yeah, well, Thomas would say next week. I won't that a healthy next week reason time. is a prelude. It can help get you to faith. Well, it can. It could. it could, yeah. It, it does. does. It does for a lot of people. Wait, <laughs> because lots <laughs> of people <laughs> he hear he an, an argument they've so never we, heard so before we, and will go, Holy cow. i thought about that. That can be the. I believe that. I think one of the incentives for me coming into the church was that I never realized that reason what Thomas, St. Thomas did, could do what he did, that he he made, he made the truth real for me, that it was real, Mm -hmm. and that was a prelude to faith, that beyond was but, So the thing that I'm trying to hold on to here is that not, because the the Protestant world is done away with it, it's it's all faith. The the Catholic doesn't accept that, he believes that reason is natural to us, it's good. Thomas would say it's a preamble that helps us to see things
1: and and prepares for faith.
0: And ultimately, I mean here in, in our story, reason will take a richer form because it's informed by faith. Virgil doesn't have that.
2: So that's why it goes bad. There's good, that's good. That's yes,
1: good exactly. Thank you. So, um... Next. Uh, oh, I, I really
2: think... So I went to San Antonio for the weekend, he just doesn't want to and, uh, to so we got up everybody. early yesterday morning to so go to I church, and we walked, and it was like, really it was interesting, and it was like two churches within four of a mile from each other in downtown.